Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. We are both super excited about the newest show to hit Disney Plus. Ham and Tommy will tell you why we are excited. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. Will Arnett has a new comedy on Netflix called Murderville. It comes with a big twist. I'll tell you all about it. Plus, we'll tell you about a reunion movie that's opening this weekend and another movie that's just skipping Canada. Yes, a new miniseries about the brief but fiery romance between Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee is out on Disney+. Plus. It's called Pam and Tommy. It's like we're seeing something we're not supposed to be seeing, which is kind of what makes it so hot. If this thing ever got out... Every second that passes, this tape could be spreading. Baby, we will get it back. It's not a big deal to me. I'm on that tape, same as you. No, not like me or not. Here we go. What the hell is this? Lily James plays Pamela Anderson, while Sebastian Stan plays Tommy Lee in this eight-episode miniseries on Disney+, Plus, which also stars Seth Rogen as a disgruntled associate of Tommy Lee's named Rand Gauthier. And the series revolves around the infamous Pam and Tommy sex tape, Rand's role in that story, and of course the repercussions it had on the lives of Pam and Tommy themselves. Rand was a carpenter doing some work at uh, the Tommy Lee Mansion in Los Angeles in 1995, and he also had some history with and connections to the adult film industry. Nick Offerman plays a pornographer who partners with Rand on a venture they hope will make them rich. And you add to the mix the very nascent stages of the internet, its anonymity at the time, and the untapped business potential within. And you have all the ingredients for a major scandal. This is a very different series, though, than it would have been 25 years ago at the time that it's set. Back then, Pam and Tammy, or Tammy, Pam and Tommy, of course, were tabloid fodder, and the last thing any of us even thought about was their feelings. They're rich celebrities, so whatever misery is visited upon them is justified was pretty much the attitude at the time. Now, I mean, we sort of still treat celebrities like that, but as far as a leaked sex tape goes, I think there's a lot more empathy out there. I mean, most of us don't have that exact experience, but I think we're all much more aware of how once something gets out there, there's no getting it back. And even more very, you know, minor examples of like being tagged in a photo or a posting on social media that you don't want to have on like your Facebook page, something like that. I've often had to message a friend or a family member and say, hey, you take that photo of me down. I hate that photo. It's And that's, you know, nothing malicious. That's just all of us trying to navigate our way through these potential minefields. So I, I think this series, you know, is a different beast in 2022 than it would have been if they'd actually made it at the time in 1995. The series really humanizes Pam and Tommy. I wasn't really expecting that. They're not caricatures, although they are kind of, you know, ridiculous in some ways, especially Tommy Lee, because he's a goofy kind of dumb guy who's just insanely rich because he's good at the drums. He's also very charismatic and very sweet at times. And Pamela Anderson is shown to be, you know, very aware of her sex symbol status and more than a little myth that she's that's all she is to so many people. There are a couple of scenes where you feel bad for her on the set of Baywatch because all the producers and directors care about is how hot she is when she runs down the beach. And 
not anything related to her actually, you know, giving a real acting performance. And we see her, you know, pinning her career hopes on her movie that's about to come out, Barb Wire, and the fact that we know that that is not really going to work out well for her is kind of heartbreaking. And of course, you know, there's the specter of the tape hanging over everything. We've seen uh, three of the eight episodes, the studio wisely releasing those first three episodes all in one shot this week, because that's how long it really takes to fully set everything up, introducing everyone, getting all the Rand backstory and the plot machinations to the tapes release out there, and as well as the whirlwind courtship of uh, Pam and Tommy, all setting the stage for everything come. I thought the performances are terrific all around. Um, again, so much better than I was expecting. I thought it would be more of a caricature thing, and it's just not, which is a huge relief because that horrible Netflix movie about Motley Crue a couple of years ago really made me not give this show any consideration until now and it's just light years better it should be noted that it's extremely profane and there's a ton of nudity it's fake movie nudity but it's uh, not for young eyes or ears of course the makeup department should win all the awards that they uh, are eligible for because lily james in real life looks nothing like pamela anderson but she looks just like her in this it's truly amazing and uh, like i said sebastian stan as Tommy Lee, he's got him down to, uh, it was just a, a great show, a pleasant surprise. I, I can't believe it's as good as it is. Brett, what did you think about it? You, it's like you reached into my head and just took all of the thoughts that I have on this show because, I <laughs> because I, well, first of all, I was pleasantly surprised to see that it was out this week. I forgot, like I knew it was coming, but I just forgot that it was this week. So I, um, opened up Disney Plus, and there it was. It was the main thing on the banner. So I thought, oh, that's out this week. Okay, I guess I I guess I got to watch that. And uh, I thought it was spectacular. I just, I can't believe how much I enjoyed it because when I heard they were doing this, I thought, well, maybe I'll check it out. Um, and I was underwhelmed by the by the the actors that they cast, I thought, well, that's whatever. Um, but when I saw the trailer and the way they transformed both of those actors and just how fun the show looked, I thought, yes, I will definitely check this out. So like, like when I, when I heard Lily James is going to play Pamela Anderson. And if you're not familiar with Lily James, cause I don't <laughs> think that she's a, you know, a huge name actor. She's, no. uh, she's English she was in the live-action um, Cinderella in 2015. She was also in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies in 2016. Downton Abbey. Was she in D Downton Abbey? Yeah, I think that's that's where I first saw her was in Downton Abbey like seven years ago, whenever it was. Um, oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, so she's Downton Abbey would probably be what most people would know her from. She was in Baby Driver and uh, a couple of other, like lots of other... She's got a lot, a long resume here, but she, as Jeff pointed out, looks nothing, nothing like Pamela Anderson. And uh, it's just astonishing. The transformation, the makeup, she looks just like her. And the, uh, the to the point where the, the prosthetic chest piece that she's wearing, I thought, did I, I was curious, like, did she... Go get like <laughs> I know, right? Did she get in, get have surgery on her on her chest uh, for the role? And then I looked it up and found that it was in fact a, a prosthetic chest piece. But uh, yeah, so 
she and she sounds just like her. She sounds mm-hmm. just like her, and she's excellent in the role. Sebastian Stan, also amazing, and he. Again, he underwent a sort of a physical transformation as well because he had to lose weight, you know, because he's, I guess, like the he's the Winter Soldier, right? So he's, you know, in superhero shape. So he had to lose some weight, and uh, he's got he's covered in all of these tattoos that aren't his. So that takes a while to to put on. So both of them got to sit in the makeup chair for two, three hours a day, and uh, it looks like he's having a blast playing Tommy Lee because he's such a jerk. For the most part, Tommy Lee in this show is a jerk. And I will also point out, as you you mentioned the nudity, the stuff they do with his <laughs> um, his manhood, shall we say, is hilarious. Including, was it? Did I hear the voice of Jason Manzukis? There was Jason Manzukis because, as uh, Tommy Lee reminds us constantly, he is of Greek heritage, as is Jason Manzukis. I, I was like, is that why they cast Zooks because he's Greek? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's okay. Good connection. But, yeah, so that's hilarious. Seth Rogen as the jilted carpenter. You really feel for this guy, and I'm enjoying Rogen's performance as well. It's a lot more subdued than what we're used to from Rogen, right? Because we're used to him playing these either, like, goofy characters or sort of big, loud characters, and he's just very quiet. And But if this is all true, the way he was treated by Tommy Lee, like, he got hosed by Tommy And it's no wonder he wanted to get revenge. And um, seeing the way it's that... Been th- Sorry, I was just going to say on Seth Rogen, it's been three episodes, and I don't think we've heard him do his uh, his laugh that he's so famous for, his, his, his Seth Rogen laugh. And also on the you know physicality front, Seth Rogen lost a ton of weight too. I remember when the first uh, set photos of this came out, and I was like, that's not Seth Rogen. It's a <laughs> mullet, and he's like 50 pounds lighter than he used to be. It's like... Uh, He's my new uh, spirit animal for trying to lose weight. <laughs> well, he lost a bunch of weight uh, years ago, too, for the, the Green Hornet, right? Yeah, but I, I don't think he was ever down this much. This seems like a totally different guy. Yeah, he does. He, he certainly looks a lot uh, smaller than he used to. Uh, but, yeah, and just the way that they tell Anderson's story, the way that she's paraded around having to glad hand a bunch of horny men, it's awkward seeing her in the in this position because on one hand she's working the room, but on another you can tell she's a little uncomfortable. And I mean, how can you blame the guys for being excited to meet her like, it's Pamela Anderson. She was the sex symbol of the day, but uh, she was desperate to be taken more seriously, as you pointed out, and not just as uh, a, sex, a sex symbol. And she was basically exploited for being hot. And barbed wire, as mentioned, uh, it was a spectacular failure at the box office. It made under $4 million worldwide. It was critically panned. I went to see it. My buddies and I, of course, we went to see it. We're like, Pamela Anderson, we got to go see this movie. And it was terrible. Um, So I'm curious to see how they will play that out in the show. Hopefully they they go into that a little bit. But yeah, I love this. So new episodes um, on Wednesdays, right? I believe so, yeah. Every Wednesday, so three down and uh, five more to go. And if you've not yet watched it, it's absolutely worth a watch. In a moment, we're going to learn about another show that... Jeff says is worth a watch starring Will Arnett as a detective. Curious about that? You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. 
Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We both liked Pam and Tommy over on Disney+. Plus. It's not the only new show coming out this week. There's a new comedy series on Netflix that's a bit of a fun experiment. It stars Will Arnett as a detective, and it's called Murderville. What do we got here? Stab wounds in our upper back. Tough time imagining with just the outline. Can get in the position and slowly be dying, too. Uh, you got to keep track of the evidence. Give a no pet. Terry, Seattle. Every day means a new murder case and a new celebrity partner. There's been a murder. <gasps> Whoa! You're supposed to gasp. <gasps> Weird gasp. Yeah, as we heard there in Murderville, Arnett plays a homicide detective named Terry Seattle. And in every episode, he gets a new celebrity partner to help him solve a murder case. And the twist is the celebrity partner comes in but gets no script and has to improvise their role. There are, you know, loose scenes laid out that Terry and the other cast walk the guests through. But the dialogue is all improvised and it's a lot of fun, sort of. It's clearly going to depend on the guests each episode, the first episode was Conan O'Brien, who's had a long career in comedy from talk show host to Simpsons and Saturday Night Live writer, so he knows what he's doing. But the second episode was former NFL running back Marshawn Lynch, who seems like a very nice guy and was certainly game to try anything, but he, of course, does not have the comedy chops of Conan O'Brien. The other guests include Kumail Nanjiani, is a comedian, should be good, Sharon Stone, great actress, she's done comedy, don't know about her improv skills, but she's an A-list actress. Ken Jong, who does know comedy and is great at improv, and Annie Murphy, who's an actress I've never actually heard of before. So the basic structure is the new celebrity partner is introduced, the captain tells them about a murder, and then they interview three suspects, and then at the end, the partner has to deduce who committed the crime and why. And there are enough clues uh, spread throughout the episode that we, sh the audience, should be able to play along at home, which I didn't really realize at first, so I didn't. But it's a, it's a genuine murder mystery in that sense, with a lot of laughs along the way. Will Arnett, of course, is comedy gold, as he always is. As Terry Seattle, he's a tough kind of a film noirish kind of detective who's also really dumb. He's doing that Will Arnett thing with that he does, and it's a lot of fun. I imagine shooting and ed editing the show was a bit of an adventure. The final product is pretty smooth, although they do leave in a couple of moments here and there in each episode where the guest or one of the actors breaks and just starts laughing. I suppose just to remind us that we shouldn't be judging any of this on uh, its narrative merit or anything remotely sincere in that regard. Again, it is a fun, weird thing. Like I said, it seems like an experiment of a show in, in many ways. There are only six episodes, so if you launch into it, it's not a big commitment. Watch the first one. Try it on. I think I will eventually watch them all, but I think they're also going to be maybe hit and miss depending on who the guest is. The Conan O'Brien episode of the two I watched was hilarious. So, so uh, I, I, I recommend Murderville over on Netflix, Brett. So what's going on with Netflix and their, their murder and their mysteries over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, yeah there's weird, bizarre stuff they're doing, eh? Well, you reviewed last week the woman across the street from the girl in the window, and I checked it out. I have started watching it. I watched the first three episodes or maybe two and a half because I think I fell asleep but that wasn't a, that wasn't uh, the show uh, that was just me my sleep schedule is all over the map and I <laughs> just uh, I'm almost narcoleptic sometimes when I'm watching TV but I'm really enjoying it uh, it's this sort of psychological thriller satire yeah. that is a 
pretty effective so far as a mystery. Like, I really want to know what is going on. And I'm I the only thing that I think is missing, because you pointed out the tonal shifts, I think it needs more comedy. Um, because it, yeah. it seems it does feel weird when they flip back and when they they drop in the comedy. I don't know. Does it get? Does it change along the way? It does a little bit. I know that like the the last episode for sure. Like the first half of the last episode is just downright hilarious. Okay. So th- in that regard, it does do that. But yeah, there was it was especially in the beginning. Like especially like oh, that's why I said don't just watch w- the first episode because the first episode really doesn't. It's just, it's too much exposition they have to get through kind of thing or whatever, right? So as it goes along and it keeps, oh, like by the fourth time you see a casserole come out of the oven, you know that that's a joke, right? So yeah. because they keep going back to it, that sort of thing. That's why it's, that's where the comedy comes in from the sticking with it and having stuff like that start repeating or whatever. And the neighbor constantly, the neighbor lady talking about her husband, Scott, who we never meet, <laughs> that cracked me up every time. First, it's just so, oh my God, Scott's got a huge meeting today. And there's like dramatic push in on her kind of thing. <laughs> Just stuff like that. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I look forward to uh, finishing that out. I think I was, I was hoping to try to finish it, and then when I saw Pam and Tommy was out, I was like, oh, I got to watch Pam and Tommy. And then I remember there was a new episode of Boba Fett. So, uh, but anyway, I'll finish it this weekend. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes, and we want to tell you what is new in movie theaters this week because... Uh, Movie theaters reopened in Ontario. They're reopening in Quebec. And in this instance, this film, it's time to turn off your brain and get ready for pain. Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. People ask, what will Jackass be like once we're older? Well, it'll get more mature. Jackass Forever, the fourth film in the Jackass cinematic painiverse. It um, started as a TV show in 2000 on MTV. The first movie arrived in 2002. Jackass number two in 2006, Jackass 3D in 2010, and now, 12 years later, forever. If you've never seen Jackass, it's a bunch of idiots doing ridiculous stunts and pulling pranks on each other, and it's a miracle that these fools are still alive. They shoot themselves out of cannons. They see how much electricity their bodies can take via shock. They shoot fireworks out of their butts. Um, They allow bugs to crawl all over them and bite them. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it was controversial when the TV show launched over the encouragement of dangerous behavior. It's also... Super fun. This is the kind of movie I think you need to see at the very least with a group or even better in the movie theater. Because I remember going to see number two. I hadn't even seen the first Jackass movie and I had not seen a lot of Jackass on TV. I was familiar with what they were about. I knew what the show was about. I just hadn't watched a lot. But the opportunity came up to see the second one, so I went on opening night night to a packed house, and it was hilarious. I had so much fun. It, it may be one of the most fun experiences I've ever had 
in a movie theater. But part of the reason it was hilarious and fun is everyone in the room was feeding off of each other. And uh, I later tried to watch the movie again at home, like years later, and I didn't laugh all that much. So I think this is a good shared experience kind of movie. I mean, you might chuckle if you just watch it alone at home or whatever, but I think this is a kind of movie that is worth seeing with some people or a large group. And guess what? It's at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I can't believe that because the first one I think was under 50% and the other ones have never been huge hits with the critics. But 91%, it's being described as a, a gleeful and joyous reunion. So I'm, I think I might actually go see this in the theater. I'll, I'll, I'll debate that. But Jeff, you have never seen any Jackass? I've never seen any of the movies. I never watched the show. I do remember specifically not being interested in it, but I can't for the life of me remember why. I think I just, it was that thing where I don't like watching people wipe out. Uh, I, like I don't like watching, I can't watch figure skating because I'm just too nervous that they're going <laughs> to wipe out. And, you know, and we got figure skating coming down the pike with the Olympics starting, you know, real soon. Yeah. Uh, so, or when, yeah, does that start this weekend, I guess. And yep. so, so yeah, so jackass stuff. I think I think that was probably as was like I can't watch these guys hurt themselves too much. I actually uh, I follow uh, Thrasher Magazine on Instagram. That's the skateboarder magazine, and I and I wrote them a note this, this week, honest to God, saying <laughs> thank you for posting videos of these guys landing their tricks. It feels like you know since the dawn of the internet, all we've seen for skateboarders online is guys wiping out. So I like watching these guys successfully doing their skateboard tricks. It's I'd much rather watch that than watching a guy you know bail off his board halfway through was a rail grind or something like that. So <laughs> yeah, so I guess this sort of thing's just not for me. Well, <laughs> that's fascinating stuff. I um I actually do follow a lot of accounts on. Instagram, for example, there's one called All Fails. And there are a lot of skateboarding mishaps. And I don't know why I follow, like, I actually follow these accounts where I want to see people, you know, doing dumb things and getting hurt. (laughs) And I want this to come into my feed. And now we have Jackass Forever, if you want to see it, on the big screen. So I think I'm going to, I might check this one out. I think... You had said you were looking forward to this next movie. Yes. And then you're in for some disappointment because it was supposed to debut this weekend. It's the latest disaster movie from Roland Emmerich. And you know when a film is directed by Roland Emmerich, that is the mark of excellence. It's just not opening in Canada. It's called Moonfall. If you're watching this thing, you know by now a huge problem is heading our way. An emergency meeting is being called at our usual place immediately. Free bagels. I've made a shocking discovery. I need you to get me in touch with NASA immediately. Well, NASA and I aren't really on speaking terms these days. Well, that'll change. When you tell them that the moon is out of orbit. There's no need to panic. Not crazy! Why are they lying about all this? It's too late to stop. You knew all this was happening before NASA. You're the unidentified source? Oh, yes. We're dealing with an intelligent entity. We're planning a mission to attack this thing. I'm asking you for your help. Say yes, Brian. <laughs> 
Okay, so Moonfall. It stars Halle Berry. Uh, Patrick Wilson is in this. You, there, I heard the voice of Donald Sutherland in there. And this is about a mysterious force that knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and it sends it on a collision course, course with the planet and life as we know it. So they, they got to attack it. They need to figure out what this alien force is that's messing with the moon and messing with planet Earth. So they're going to try to blow it up, I guess. I don't know. It looks delightfully stupid. And uh, yes. we don't get to see it, Jeff. That sucks. I mean, eventually it's going to come here. It's got to, because uh, I was looking forward to going to see this uh, in theater with our friend Joel, because we both like watching silly movies like this. And like you said, it's uh, when it's from Roland Emmerich, you know, it's, it's got the goods for uh, entire planetary destruction because Independence Day and the day after tomorrow and 2012 and now Moonfall. Like, this, is this his last movie? Because what can he do that would be bigger than the moon crashing into the earth? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the earth crashing into the sun? <laughs> they got to stop it and before everybody just melts. Um, yeah, so it's not coming to Canada. They decided to, to pull the plug on the Canadian release because they had to make their scheduling decisions. And uh, this was when Ontario and Quebec were still closed. So they just figured, you know what, we're not even going to bother with Canada. There is not going to be an on-demand option. So if you want to see Moonfall, you're just going to have to wait till, until its theatrical run plays out in the U.S. And then they release it for home video. So there you go. Neither of those movies are going to win any awards. But uh, we are into award season. Yeah, we are. The Oscar nominations will be uh, announced next week, and we'll talk about those a little bit for sure uh, next week. Uh, this week, there, the last couple of weeks, there's been a bunch of Guild nominations, and just this past week, uh, on Thursday, the BAFTA Awards, which is the British Oscars, those uh, nominations came out. The best films, the five uh, nominees for best films, best film at the BAFTAs are Belfast, Don't Look Up, Dune, licorice pizza which we'll talk about in our next segment and the power of the dog and so i've seen four of those i haven't seen don't look up but that's on netflix so that's a easy thing to uh correct if it does get nominated for oscars i will have to watch that movie so it's it's a good crap good crop of movies I, I like that dune is nominated in all these award shows it's it's right up there and i think it got the most bafta nominations as well i don't know if it's i'm still not sure that Dune's the sort of thing that's going to win a best picture at any of these, but you bet you never know. I mean, Lord of the Rings did, but uh, that was Lord of the Rings was still a little bit more family friendly kind of a, you know, I mean, it was a movie for everybody kind of thing. And Dune is kind of a little bit darker than that. So, but still, uh, the award season is upon us, Brett. All right. Oscar nominations this week. So we'll have much to discuss on that next week. And I can, well, I can get pretty much guarantee I, I I've seen, <laughs> None of them. I've watched very few movies this year. I've only been to, to the movie theater a couple of times uh, since it reopened. So There's uh, been a push for that Spider-Man uh, movie to get nominated because, of course, you know, the BAFTAs, that was five nominees. The Oscars said they're definitely going to have 10 Best Picture nominees, and uh, they desperately need eyeballs on their ceremony, and uh, nominating a Spider-Man uh, No Way Home would help them a little bit in that regard for sure. That's an interesting thought. I wonder. I wonder. Because, I mean, and the, the, the movie has made so much money uh, this year. Like, it's it clearly was the movie that we needed, or not not everybody, but clearly yeah. uh, the people who like this stuff. Like, I'm just pulling it up right now. It's made $1.74 billion. 
737 million dollars uh, wow. domestically that's incredible especially during a pandemic like i know it came out when a lot of jurisdictions were free and clear so to speak but um yep. still it's in a global pandemic and it made that kind of money so that's very impressive so maybe it and, deserves the nomination and if it doesn't get the nomination but the oscars are still looking for those spider-man uh, audience to tune in how about this they said they're going to have a host this year why not get uh, what would be better hosting pair than, say, Tom Holland and Zendaya? I mean, come on. I like it. I like it a Everyone lot. Everyone loves those guys. Yeah. I like pizza, but I don't know about licorice pizza. Jeff's going to explain next. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And I went back to the theater this week for the first time in just over a month, and I saw one of the big awards contenders. It's called Licorice Pizza. Which one's in charge? Are you? Are you in charge? Yeah, I'm in charge. May I just speak with you for a second? Yeah, sure. Thanks. You can tell your crew to stop. Stop for a sec, guys. Um, so this is what I want to say to you. Um, do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beaches. Barbara Streisand? No, like Streisand. Sand. Streisand. Streisand. Licorice Pizza comes from director Paul Thomas Anderson, who's been one of the better directors of the past quarter century. He made movies like Boogie Nights, Magnolia, and There Will Be Blood. His last film was the excellent Phantom Thread from 2017, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. And his latest is Licorice Pizza. And let's start with that title. Now, back in the 70s, when this movie is set, Licorice Pizza was slang, apparently, for vinyl records because they're round like pizza and black like black licorice, so licorice pizza there was also a record store in paul thomas anderson's neighborhood in los angeles called licorice pizza and while that store does not appear in the film nor does anyone utter the words licorice or pizza he apparently felt it summed up his youth the best so that's what he went with as a title and indeed the film is set in his old neighborhood in the 70s uh, at the time he was growing up so the film stars cooper hoffman who is the son of the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, and wow, he looks a lot like his dad. And that alone made me smile because it's nice to see the name live on, and Philip Seymour Hoffman was such a terrific actor. Anything new from him is a blessing, and uh, his son in a film counts. And of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in most of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies before he died, so young Cooper and Anderson already knew each other very well before this movie. The movie also stars Alana Heim of the sister pop group called Heim. Her family also appears in the film as her family. So that worked out nicely. The two leads are very new to acting, at least, you know, starring roles. And Paul Thomas Anderson pulls some great performances out of them. Uh, hopefully we get to see both these actors do a lot more things over the years because I really enjoyed both of them. The movie follows Cooper's uh, character, Gary, a 15-year-old child actor who's also a go-getter hustler kind of guy not like a hustler in a pool hall kind of way but a, a guy who gets an idea and then goes all out trying to make it come true it's weird for a 15 year old but he's really like a 30 year old living in a 15 year old's body although every now and then we are reminded he is a teenager and alana plays alana and she's very aware of how old gary is she's in her mid-20s and gary has a crush on her and of course the hustler that he is he's persistent not in a creepy way just in a persistent way they have a lot of discussions about it most of them ending with Alana reminding Gary 
he's just a kid. There is, of course, a huge double standard because if this movie even sniffed at the notion of a 25-year-old man and a 15-year-old girl hooking up, it wouldn't even have been made. To be fair, though, this is also not that kind of movie. But they do grow close as friends, and Alana is soon involved in Gary's business ideas like opening a waterbed store. Uh, it's presumably very helpful to have someone in their 20s along for the ride to sign paperwork because I can't imagine a 15-year-old's allowed to rent a storefront, for example. The rest of Gary's employees are also his little brother and his friends from high school. The capital that they need up front for things is supplied by the money Gary brings in by acting and commercials. So there's no plot either, per se. It's just a story of their relationship, and it's set in California's San Fernando Valley. And Paul Thomas Anderson delights in the time period with the wardrobe and the locations and the music. The movie looks and sounds fantastic, and you get the sense that Paul Thomas Anderson just wanted to visit the place and had to come up with some semblance of a movie to do so. And it all works. It's not the best movie I've seen, but it's a lot of fun, and it's very sweet. There are some smaller roles played by Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper's who we heard in the clip there, and they provide a lot of the fun comic relief, especially Bradley Cooper. He plays a real-life guy, John Peters, who we heard in the clip was dating Barbara Streisand at the time. And interestingly enough, just two years ago in real life, John Peters was sort of almost married to Pamela Anderson. And I found this on uh, the John Peters Wikipedia page. It says the marriage certificate on his fifth marriage to actress and model Pamela Anderson on January 20th, 2020 was not filed with the couple separating after 12 days. Anderson said she was, quote, never legally married to Peters. Uh, so who knows? I just wanted to point that out, that connection out, because we were talking about Pamela Anderson earlier in the show. But Licorice Pizza is really Hoffman and Himes' movie. And again, hopefully we see a lot more from each of them in the future. The Oscar nominations, like we said, come out next week. This will probably get a few if all the other award groups are any indication. As I mentioned, it got a bunch of BAFTA nominations in England this week. Again, it's not a plot-driven movie. It's more of a, a hangout, a low-stakes, chill movie that will totally transport you to another time and place, which in the middle of a you know Canadian winter was just what the doctor ordered. So four couch cushions out of five for Licorice Pizza, still playing in many theaters. And if it gets the award nominations, we'll continue to play in those theaters. But I will say that this is sort of like, by all means, go and see it if you want to. But this uh, Moonfall and Jackass are movies you should be seeing in theater. Licorice Pizza, you can wait to watch it at home. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.